tasted it It's running through my veins I can't escape its grip In you my soul is safe You covered everything Oh, your love Led for me Oh, your Is my victory. 
And I think it's interesting that the symbol of Christianity is a symbol that represents death. There are a lot of other religions in the world that have their, their own symbols, and whether it's a six-pointed star or it's, a, it's something to represent light, Christianity has a, has a symbol that really represents death because we understand that's where life begins, is at the cross. And tonight we want to reflect on the cross. We want to reflect on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And so I welcome you to this service. Uh, it, there may be a somber tone to this service, and if that's the case, then that's, that's okay. It was a somber day. We know the rest of the story, but to really understand the rest of the story, I think we need to stop and, 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 and reflect and remember the, the burden, the, the sacrifice that was given on that Friday. And so to that end, I want to just say again, welcome. And let's go to the Lord in prayer, and we'll continue right after that uh, with, with some more songs. Let's pray. Fathers, we come into this house of worship tonight. We do so remembering the sacrifice of your son, Jesus. Lord, he came in the form of a, a baby in a manger, and we enjoy that, that season that, that, that we remember his birth. But Father, we also know that he came with a purpose, with a mission in mind. Lord, he prayed in the garden, if there is any other way, let this cup pass from me. But the truth is, there is no other way. And so, humbly and obediently, he went to the cross and poured out his blood, poured out his love for any and all who would trust in him. Father, thank you. Thank you for, thank you for Jesus. It's in his powerful, atoning, transforming name I pray. Amen. Let's all stand together now as we sing about the blood of Jesus. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged that blood lose all their guilty stains lose all their guilty stains lose all their guilty stains and sinners plunge beneath that blood lose all their guilty stains the dying thief Rejoice to see that fountain in his day, and there may I, though vile as he, wash all my sins away, wash all my sins away, wash all my sins away, and there may I, though vile. blood shall never lose its power till all the ransomed church of God be saved to sin no more. 
escape to sin no more till all the ransomed church of God be saved to sin no more ere since by faith I saw the stream thy flowing wounds supply redeeming love has been my theme and shall be till I die and shall be till I die and shall be till I die redeeming love has been my theme and shall be till I die. Standing. Well, you may be seated. In 1707, Isaac Watts penned him, when I survey the wondrous cross, when I survey the wondrous cross in which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss, and pour contempt on all my pride. Some years ago, I had the opportunity to drive Micah into school. And it was very convenient because it was also where I worked. So we had a daycare there, and so I would take him to school, preschool. And we would talk about all kinds of things on that ride in and, and the ride back home. And uh, But one particular morning, we, we stopped and we pulled up, and we were in the, the back parking lot. And he looked up at the top of the church, and he pointed, and he asked me, he said, Dad, what's that? And I figured out what he was talking about a little bit, and I said, Well, buddy, that's a steeple. Well, what's a steeple? Well, that's just a, a, a high place on the church. It usually has a cross on the top of it, and it helps people know where the cross is and, and helps people know where the church is. And, uh, and he looked at it for a little bit, and he said, well, we sure could see it a lot better if it was down here. And uh, I thought, that, that's pretty profound. But then I got to thinking a little bit more, and I thought, you know, um, isn't, that, isn't that our responsibility as a church is to help people see the cross? Uh, whatever we need to do to point people to the cross. To that end, I'm going to move to the side just a little bit uh, because I want you to see the cross. I want you to see the cross tonight. I want you to look at the cross. And we're just have a question. When you look at the cross, what do you see? When you survey the wondrous cross, what do you I'm going to turn and, and, and be in the, in the Gospel of Luke tonight. And so if you have your Bibles and you want to turn there in the, the Gospel of Luke chapter 23, and I just want to read his account here of, of what took place uh, that, that Friday, early Friday morning on into the early afternoon. Luke 23, beginning in verse 33. And when they came to the place called the Skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right and the other on the left. Before I go any further, let me just say this too. I want you to pay attention 
to the various people, the various characters in this story and what they observe as they look at the cross. Speaking back up in verse 34. But Jesus was saying, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots, dividing up his garments among themselves. And the people stood by, looking on, and even the rulers were sneering at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if this is the Christ of God, his chosen one. And the soldiers, they also mocked him, coming up to him, offering him sour wine, and saying, If you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. Now there was an inscription above him, This is the king of the Jews. And one of the criminals who were hanged there was hurling abuse at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other answered and rebuking him, said, Do you not even fear God, since you are under the same sentence and condemnation? And we indeed justly? For we are receiving what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And when he was saying, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said unto him, Truly I say to you, today you shall be with me in paradise. And it was now about the sixth hour. And darkness fell over the whole land until the ninth hour. The sun being obscured and the veil of the temple was torn in two. And Jesus, crying out with a loud voice, said, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Now when the centurion saw what had happened, he began praising God and saying, Certainly this man was innocent. And all the multitudes who came together for this spectacle when they observed what he what had happened, began to return, beating their breath. And all his acquaintances and the women who accompanied him from Galilee were standing at a distance, seeing these things. Father, thank you for your word. Speak now, and may we listen. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Again, that question, what do you see when you look at the cross? I think you'll see in this passage tonight that the various characters saw various different things. Some mocked him, some made fun of him, others worshipped him, some were confused about what was happening. But the question remains, what do you see? Because ultimately it doesn't matter what other people see, what do you see when you look to the cross? But as we begin tonight, I want us to go back a long, long time ago. I want us to go back to the, to, to the very beginning. Go back to Genesis. In the book of Genesis, God ordained that humans would rule and reign over the earth. So after he had made everything and he made man in his own image, we, we, we find this passage in Genesis. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on this earth. Everything was great. Everything was wonderful. Everything was perfect. And God indeed looked back and said, this is very good. But something happened. If you go on to the next chapter, chapter 3, we know that sin entered the world. <clears throat> Humans chose to disobey God and to rebel against him. And so sin entered the world and death by sin. Sin changed 
everything, but three ways in which it, it, it changed our relationships very specifically. It changed the way that humans relate to God. No longer did God show up and walk in the cool of the day. In fact, they were cast out of the garden. An angel was put at the, at the garden to guard the way in with, with, a, with a flaming sword. So sin changed the way that humans relate to God. Sin also changed the way that humans relate to one another. It's not very long in, in this process that we see that we see a murder, brother against brother. And the rest of the human history, we know that human relationships are not always as they should be. But sin also changed the way that humans relate to the world. If it was that we were to rule and reign over, over the world, now something has changed. And uh, it's, it's not the way that it was to begin with. Sin separates us from God. It causes strife and discord among people, and it prevents us from properly ruling over the earth. This once perfect world is now full of problems, and it's anything but perfect. You don't need me to tell you that. All you have to do is think back to this past week, or maybe this past this morning, or perhaps just, just within the last hour, to know that sin causes strife and discord in our lives. But listen, listen to this real, real carefully. Your problem and my problem, our problems, listen, it's, it's not that we have spats with our spouse. It's not that our child might be rebellious or that our parents are clueless. It, our problem isn't the unreasonable boss or... The co-worker's having an affair. Our problem is not the punk kid that runs his mouth too much or the girl that stabs you in the back. Our problem is not that the government is too small or that it's too little. Our problem is not fatherless homes or senseless violence. Our problem doesn't lie within the NRA or Planned Parenthood. Our problem isn't atheistic professors on college campuses, nor is it theists who refuse to profess out of our churches. Those are not our problems. Our problem is sin. And the wages of sin is death. All of those things that I just mentioned and thousands more, those are symptoms of a deeper problem. Symptoms of a corrupt and an evil heart because of sin. And the sad reality is there's really nothing that you or I could do to fix it. There's really nothing that we can do about it. Because you and I are filled with sin as well. Now the question is, could God intervene? Yeah. He could. God could intervene and, and do something about that. But just because we change doesn't mean that God doesn't change. What I mean by that is God has said that there would be man that would rule over the earth. And so, he would find a man. I want to look at the book of Daniel. The book of Daniel chapter 7. It, uh, Daniel here has a, has a vision. Has a, has, has a vision and I just want to read some of this. This vision, this dream that, that Daniel has, this, this prophecy. Daniel 7 verse 9 says, 
I kept looking until thrones were set up, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His vesture was like white snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was ablaze with flames. Its wheels were a burning fire. A river of fire was flowing and coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands were attending him, and myriads upon myriads were standing before him. The court sat, and the books were opened. And then in verse 13, this vision continues. I kept looking in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming. And he came up to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom that all the peoples, nations, and men of every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away. And his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. We go on down to verse 22 and it says, Until the Ancient of Days came and judgment was passed in favor of the saints of the highest one. And then this phrase, And the time arrived when the saints took possession of the kingdom time had come. Verse 27 says, Then the sovereignty, the dominion, and the greatness of all kingdoms under the whole earth will be given to the people of the saints of the highest one. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom, and all the dominions will serve and obey him. Daniel prophesied that one day there would be one like the Son of Man who would come, who would come up to the Ancient of Days, and to him would be given the, the kingdom that final kingdom to rule and reign over all the earth. It would be an everlasting kingdom. And there is a time coming in which the saints of the one like the Son of Man will join with him in ruling and reigning in this kingdom. See, he would set things right again, this one, this, this Son of Man. He's coming to put things right, to put things back like they were, to put things as it is intended. He, he's come to change things so that we can go back and he changes the way that humans can relate to God. He changes the way that humans relate to one another. And he changes the way that humans can relate to the world. Now, back in the Gospel of Luke, in chapter 22, just before the, the, the uh, chapter where we, we just were, there's this, this interesting little line here that uh, as, as, he's being, as, as he's on trial, as, as Jesus is on trial, uh, chapter 22 Verse 69, we see this question asked of Jesus. And, 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 and there's a question that says, but who are you? And so Jesus begins to answer in verse 69, he says this, but from now on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the power of God. Jesus didn't make a mistake here. He knew what he was doing. He was referencing the vision that Daniel had. This vision of one like the Son of Man coming to rule and reign forever. He's about to be, he, he's on trial. He's about to be led to the cross. He's about to suffer and die. And he says, what you're about to see, you're about to see this vision from Daniel completed. One like the Son of Man is going to come and be seated on high. This is a claim that Jesus puts upon himself. In fact, it's a title he would use many times in the gospel. I am the Son of Man. He uses it more than any other title. Now, 
I do find this interesting as well. The story of Barabbas. Just in my in my study for this, Barabbas. You know who Barabbas was? He was the murderer who was released instead of, or, or in the place of Jesus, this murderer was released and, and Jesus was crucified. Now Barabbas, that's, a, that's an interesting name. I've never really met a Barabbas. But in, in Hebrew, the, the first part of his name, Bar, means son of. It's, it's a little bit like if you were from, if you were from Ireland and you're O'Reilly, that's, you're the son of Riley. Or O'Brien, you're the son of Brian. And so Bar is the son of. And the last part of his name, Abbas, Abbas, Abba, father. He's literally the son of a daddy. What a very unique name, right? I really don't know if that is his given name or if that's just the name that was placed upon him. And this is purely speculation, but it seems like, it, it just seems like that as Barabbas is released and the Son of Man is taking his place, that you and I could be Barabbas. Because we are all sons and daughters And God treated Jesus as Barabbas. And he treats Barabbas as Jesus. When he takes our place, we take on his righteousness. I just found that that was an, an interesting idea. But when you look at the cross, and specifically what I've just talked about, the Son of Man coming to rule and reign, and what he's come to do to set things right, what do you see when you look at the cross? Jesus came and died on, on, on the cross and provides redemption for you and for me that we might know the living God. He buys us back with his blood. What do you see when you look at the cross? See, Jesus died to restore our purpose, to rule and reign in his kingdom. What do you see when you look at the cross? Jesus died to heal our broken relationships. And we get to participate with Jesus every time that we share the gospel. Because when someone else comes to saving faith in Jesus Christ, they come by way of the cross. And we celebrate with them that they now can have that restored relationship with God. That they now are also partakers in this kingdom. And that they now have just gained, have just been joined as part of our family, and we've gained a brother or sister. It changes our relationships. For me, at least on this Good Friday, this is what I see when I look at the cross. A restoration of the way things could be. The way things ought to be. And ultimately, the way things will be. But before he could set things right, we have to go back to that problem I started with. Jesus had to take care of my sin and your sin. We needed to be cleansed. The night before his death, Jesus really teaches this in a very memorable, remarkable way. You see, Jesus had the Passover meal prepared. He told the disciples where they were to go, what they were to do. 
And I can't imagine the excitement that came that, that, that came with this. Just a few days before, Jesus rides in on a donkey and they're hailing him. Hosanna, Hosanna to the king. And, and so he's with the disciples in, in Jerusalem and they're going to prepare the Passover. The greatest celebration in the, in the life of the Hebrew children, the Passover meal, they're going to set it up and, and I'm sure they've gone in, they've gotten the room uh, secured, they've gotten the... They've gotten the water basin set up. They've gotten the food prepared. They're all around the table, and they're waiting on the one that some of them would call rabbi, some of them would call Lord. Eventually, many of them would call Messiah. They're kind of waiting on him as he takes the lead in this in this meal, and he does something very unique. He begins to change what they understand about that meal and the words that he shares. And when he had taken the cup and given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for forgiveness of sins. His blood was poured out for the, gift, for the forgiveness of my sin and your sin. Before things could be set right, before we could restore that relationship with God, before we could rule and reign, before our relationships with one another could be set like they ought to be, our sin has to be dealt with. That's what Jesus intended to do at the cross. And in just a moment, we are also going to partake of the Lord's Supper. And I'd ask the, the, the deacons to make their way forward at this time. And we want to join with, join with the Christian church, join with... Join with what Jesus shared that night. You know, the Bible teaches that we ought not to participate in this holy ordinance in an unworthy manner. Therefore, we need to just be clear about how we will next proceed. Anyone here, anyone here who's a baptized believer is welcome to participate. If you're not a baptized believer, I'd love nothing more. Hear me. I would love nothing more than walking with you through the gospel as you truly experience the forgiveness of sin and the hope that comes from salvation through Jesus Christ for the very first time. I'd love nothing more than to do that and settle that tonight. Or, regardless of whether you are a baptized believer or not, I do encourage you to look at the cross. Look to the cross. Allow the Lord to search your heart. Let Him speak to you. And you respond. We will now partake of the bread. Jesus Christ died for you. More than that, he died instead of you. Our sin condemns us to eternal separation from God, to hell forever and ever. But because of the blood of Jesus, we can experience forgiveness of our sin and freedom that comes through salvation. And tonight, if you don't know that freedom and that forgiveness, I want to give you that opportunity. I'd love for you to come and let's talk. Let's Let's settle that. So we're going to sing now, Jesus paid it all.
and he really did. If the Holy Spirit's calling you, won't you come? Won't you come? Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you for sending your son Jesus, who came and lived a perfect life, but was led to the cross, poured out his blood for forgiveness of sin, so that we can know you in a personal way, so that our relationship with you could be restored, so that our relationships with others could be restored, so that we could properly rule and reign in his eternal kingdom. And Father, I, I pray tonight that we can begin to understand what that means. If someone is in here tonight that doesn't know you, may tonight be the day of salvation for them. It's in Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen. Watch and pray, find in me thine all in all. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. Lord, now indeed I find thy Again, I just want you to look at the cross. Survey the wondrous cross on which Jesus Christ died for you, for me, in my place that I could have so that you could have eternal life.
Bye. 
close in prayer. Dear God, we thank you for the grace that you've bestowed on us, dear God, to stand here and survey the cross, dear God, which is, we don't enjoy, we come face to face with our sin and the penalty of it, the price that was required, and um, dear God, it's sobering pause and to, to be reminded, but we take so great of a comfort, dear God, in, in your grace that you bestowed to us in, in, uh, in sending your son, dear God, to pay the price for us. How could we fully show our appreciation for that? <clears throat> dear God, we thank you for the anticipation of Sunday and for the promise that we know that you rise again and that you live with us today. We thank you for that in Jesus' name.